Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast with me, your host, Alex Murray. So it's been two weeks since we've done an episode. Uh, as you would have noticed if you'd listened to the previous one, uh, the Ubuntu security team and a lot of other engineers from Canonical have been on a sprint in the past week, uh, basically getting together and planning things and working on the current uh, development cycle. Uh, and I had planned to do an episode while we were all uh, together on the sprint, but I uh, got caught up with, I guess, so many other things that we were doing, and the podcast unfortunately fell by the wayside. And I know I say it every time before we go to a sprint that I plan on doing an episode and getting some more people on board, and uh, we nearly got there this time, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, it just didn't happen. So this week, I've got kind of a double episode where we'll be covering all of the updates and things from the last couple of weeks, and we're also going to have a talk about a couple uh, recent embargoed issues, particularly uh, that pertain to Ubuntu things, SnapD and SystemD. Uh, but yeah, we'll get to that a bit later in the show. So first up, uh, we'll look at the usual list of uh, CVEs that have been addressed across the supported Ubuntu releases. So we've got 15 CVEs here in total. Uh, the first couple I want to look at are for the Poplar package. So this is uh, the PDF renderer that's used by Ebints and other uh, desktop packages. We've got two CVEs here that were fixed for Trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. And both of these were kind of denial of service vulnerabilities. So one of them was an out of bounds heat buffer read uh, due to basically missing a check whether a particular index was negative or not. So that would basically index a negative indice into an array and uh, yeah, basically read before the array uh, in memory and so likely uh, outside of the valid memory area and so therefore cause a crash and denial of service. The other one we've got was uh, with a specially crafted PDF, you might hit uh, an assertion that was in the code and that would also then cause it to bail out uh, and uh, at denial of service as well. So both of those have been fixed. We've got an update for GVFS. So this is the kind of abstraction layer uh, in the GNOME desktop that's used for accessing uh, various file systems. That's the GNOME virtual file system layer. And uh, there's one CVE here that we've fixed for Bionic and Cosmic. Now, uh, this here was basically where it would, um, for doing certain privileged accesses, like things like uh, trying to open, say, a file owned by root, uh, GVFS would call out to PolicyKit to check whether uh, the user was authorized or not. And so therefore, PolicyKit might then pop up a dialog to get you to authenticate or not. The problem was that if you had disabled all of the policy kit agents to run or if you hadn't got any configured, then uh, it would basically allow you to read the file and edit it, say, as root. So you'd basically get arbitrary file reads as a standard user uh, without prompting. Now, uh, this did require some special setup uh, in that you know, it only works for users in the first place that do have admin privileges like being in the pseudo group but it would basically allow you to do it without, say, password uh, authenticating. And it would also require you to have either disabled the existing policy kit agents or to maybe, say, uninstalled them. So, yeah, unlikely to actually hit this in practice, but, yeah, that's been fixed. We've got an update for WebKit GTK, the uh, WebKit renderer built, uh, basically built into GTK, used in a bunch of different things like uh, Evolution, the mail client, and... Uh, the Epiphany web browser and even say the captive portal stuff that's in Network Manager. Yeah, so two CVEs here for Bionic and Cosmic. Uh, basically, both of these were around memory corruption and type confusion errors uh, that would lead to possible remote code execution. So they've been fixed. We've got an update for Django. Uh, one CVE here fixed for Xenial, Bionic and Cosmic. Uh, this could cause basically Django to consume a large amount of memory. 
And so what would happen, uh, so as a result, you'd get a denial of service. But uh, what would happen is if you told Jenko to print a, uh, a decimal number uh, that had a very large number of digits, it would basically, you know, use memory for every single one of those digits. And you, know, you could basically get it to exhaust all the memory if you gave it a large enough uh, value to print. And so the fix of this is pretty simple. You just uh, basically for numbers with greater than say 200 characters, they go and print those out now with scientific notation. So you don't get absolutely every single digit printed. So a pretty simple fix, but uh, yeah, that's been fixed. Now we've got uh, an update for SnapD. So I'll talk about this a little further uh, in the episode, uh, but yeah, this was fixed for Trusty, Xenial, Bionic and Cosmic. Uh, this was a vulnerability that was reported uh, via Launchpad via a private bug to the security team uh, and has since been dubbed Dirty Sock by uh, its creator, Chris Moberly. And uh, yeah, Chris was uh, really good to work with on this. Basically, he reported it to us with a very detailed description of what the vulnerability was, uh, some very detailed analysis of it uh, that allowed yeah, basically some, you know, some good coordination uh, between both sides as to how to fix this. Uh, so th what would happen here is that uh, SnapD has a socket, a Unix domain socket, that is used to uh, basically execute uh, commands. And so it has a, an API, a RESTful API that's provided over that socket. And various things like, say, installing snaps or that kind of thing uh, require that you have to have authenticated to it or that you have to, say, be root. And the way that SnapD would do this is it would look at the, uh, the privileges based on the client socket. And uh, part of this would be based on the remote address of the socket. So Chris basically found that if you uh, formed your remote ad your, your client socket uh, with a particular name, uh, basically using uh, semicolons to delimit things, you could fool SnapD into thinking that uh, you were root when you were not. And therefore you would then be able to access the privileged uh, APIs via the SnapD socket and yeah, basically kind of you know, install arbitrary snaps or create arbitrary users, that kind of thing. So basically, you know, privilege escalation vulnerability uh, via SnapD. Uh, yeah, so that's now been fixed. And I'm gonna talk, as I said, talk about that a little bit further in the episode uh, in relation to basically just how we handle these kind of uh, embargoed uh, security issues. But uh, yeah, we'll get to that a bit later. Uh, the next thing we've got is an update for NSS. Uh, this is three CVEs that were fixed now for precise extended security maintenance. Uh, we covered these back in episode 17 for uh, all the uh, standard Ubuntu releases. But yes, if you're a precise ESM uh, customer, you've now got that fixed as well. Uh, as I mentioned before, we've now got an update for System D. So this is one CVE that's been fixed for Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. And this was actually discovered by one of uh, the Ubuntu security team members, our own Chris Coulson. Uh, he discussed, uh, discovered this while doing uh, some code analysis or a code audit of System D uh, in relation to some recent uh, CVEs that have been found there by others uh, due to the use of variable length arrays in System D. And Chris came across yet another one. And in this case, it has to do with the, uh, basically when systemd receives a message over dbus, it allocates a buffer to store the object path of the sender. And uh, this is up to the, the, the sender specifies this. It can be as large as they want. And in fact, the dbus spec says that it can, you know, it can basically, it doesn't put a limit on how large that can be. And, but the problem was that uh, systemd uses a variable length array declared on the stack for this. And the problem is that this stack is not of infinite size. And the problem was that then if this was large enough, you could jump the entire stack 
by the size of it. And you could even jump the guard pages that are placed on there nowadays by the kernel for things like stack clash and that kind of thing. And basically jump right outside of uh, you know the entire valid memory area. You would then call the segmentation violation a crash and denial of service. Uh, the problem was when you crash systemd in this way, systemd doesn't restart. So if you've you know, pulled down systemd, which is PID1, uh, that really leaves your system in uh, basically a pretty broken state and all you could do is reboot. So yeah, a pretty uh, nasty vulnerability really from a child of service point of view. Uh, because of the way this works, it is maybe possible that you could get uh, code execution as well as a result. Uh, as I say, that's been fixed. and. Uh, part of the problem here really is that uh, Dbus and systemd uh, both don't really agree on what the maximum size of various things are. As I said, Dbus says that in this case, the object path could be of unlimited size. Uh, but in practice, Dbus itself limits messages to being at least 32 megs. So you couldn't have a path within a message to be, say, more than that, obviously. Uh, and so now systemd, what they've done is put a fix in to make sure that they limit the object path to only 64k, which uh, you know is obviously a lot less than say that 32 meg massive, uh, that 32 meg maximum size value for Dbus, but uh, yeah, certainly should be large enough for any uh, valid standard object path that's using Dbus. And they also had a fix as well then to make sure that systemd would keep running if it receives an invalid message, because uh, even with that fix, it may then bail out. So you'd still be left with a denial of service. But as I say, that's now been fixed. Okay, uh, the next thing we've got is an update for GDM, the GNOME Display Manager. And this was a vulnerability uh, that would basically had to do with the use of timed logins. So that's the case where uh, you might configure your user to automatically log in, say, after 20 seconds, let's say. And uh, in this case, GDM would get confused when you already, say, were logged in as a particular user and then you went to select a second user. So you can imagine that you're logged in, you've locked the screen, someone else then comes along, they select their user, which has been configured to have a time login enabled. Uh, and after the timeout, uh, GDM would then you know, ordinarily log in that new user, but in this case, it wouldn't. It would unlock the screen and they would be dumped into your original session. Uh, so basically it would unlock the wrong user account. Uh, now this is of a bit of a low impact though, because you know, there are no time logins enabled by default uh, in Ubuntu. So you would have had to go and manually configure that yourself. And to do that, you need uh, administrative privileges to edit the GDM configuration anyway. So yeah, a bit of a low impact, but um, yeah, that's now been fixed. We've got uh, the gift that keeps on giving, uh, another update for GhostScript. In this case, unfortunately, it was due to a regression that was caused from a previous update that we mentioned in episode 18. Uh, this new update for version uh, 926 of GhostScript uh, basically caused a regression where it would fail to print four by six inch pages. Uh, yeah, but that's now been fixed. Uh, but as just a bit of a preview for next week, this again, this new update has caused yet another regression that was causing uh, pages to print uh, all blue. So anyway, we'll talk about that one next week though. Uh, lastly, we've got an update for Bind. Uh, so three different CVEs here that were fixed for Trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. Uh, we've got uh, one issue where it would fail to properly apply controls to zone transfers, and this would essentially allow clients to request and receive a zone transfer to a dynamically loadable zone that was against what the access control list uh, in allow transfer would, uh, would allow. Uh, there's also uh, another fix for an assertion failure, which could be triggered if a trust anchor's keys were replaced with keys uh, that had an unsupported algorithm during key rollover. And this is during the case when you're using managed keys 
the, the manage keys feature uh, for DNSSEC validation. And finally, there was a remotely triggerable uh, memory leak, uh, which could be triggered via parsing of particular uh, packet formats. Now, obviously, this would cause then a denial of service because you could get uh, bind to consume a very large amount of memory and maybe even get killed by the out-of-memory killer as a result. But as I say, that's all now been fixed. Okay, that takes us to the end of the usual list of updates. Uh, for a couple of the things I've talked about this week, uh, SnapD and SystemD in particular, uh, both of these were embargoed issues that uh, were reported uh, to the Ubuntu security team kind of first. So in the case of SnapD, that, as I said, that was reported by Chris Moberly via a private launchpad bug. And in the case of SystemD, that was found by one of our own team members, Chris Coulson, uh, and we were the primary point of contact for both of these issues. And uh, as I say, these are both embargoed. So what that means is that uh, behind kind of closed doors, the Ubuntu security team is working on coordinating on those fixes uh, to make sure that things are done in a timely manner. And basically that, uh, you know, the, the exploits and those other things aren't leaked while everyone is still unpatched. And so uh, part of what we do here is we follow a responsible disclosure uh, practice, which uh, is pretty common in the security industry. But as I said, this allows us, um, you know, the, the point of responsible disclosure is that things get disclosed, then uh, the affected parties can all get together and coordinate. They, between themselves, they just, they decide on a coordinated release date, which is basically when the vulnerability will be uh, made public and also when fixes for it will be released as well. Uh, but basically this allows everyone to kind of get together, make sure they've all got you know, their patches ready, their tests are done, uh, everything is ready to roll before, they, uh, before that vulnerability goes public. But what it also does, it sets kind of a bound on just how long that should be kept behind closed doors. Um, obviously we don't want you know, vulnerabilities that have been discovered not getting disclosed because that doesn't you know, protect users. Someone else might come along and independently rediscover the same vulnerability. And if it hasn't been fixed in the meantime, uh, then everyone is still uh, liable to basically be affected by it. And yeah, so in this case, basically what we did, uh, so in the SnapD case, you know, we worked with the SnapD team to make sure that we had a fix and make sure that that was then being able to be rolled out uh, to you know, the other distros like Fedora, uh, that kind of thing, as well uh, as Ubuntu in the same time frame. Uh, whereas in the case of SystemD, Chris and others worked with uh, the upstream SystemD team, uh, as well as the, the Red Hat community in particular to make sure that, uh, yeah, that that was patched and that that was all uh, coordinated properly. So yeah, I guess that gives you a little bit of an idea of how we handle some of these uh, these more sensitive, these more embargoed issues uh, behind the scenes to make sure that everyone is essentially kept safe, but that fixes and things can be properly tested and properly rolled out uh, in a timely fashion. Okay, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is that uh, the Ubuntu security team is hiring again. Uh, we've actually got um, four open positions uh, at the moment, which is really great. Uh, we're looking for an Ubuntu security generalist. So that's just someone that can uh, join the team and you know, do regular security updates, uh, security audits, that kind of thing that uh, most of the team members work on. Uh, I've got a link to that in the show notes. Uh, there are two new positions that we've got uh, for robotic security engineers. So uh, basically we're looking for people that are familiar with ROS, uh, ROS1, ROS2, and maybe that are act active in the upstream ROS community to help strengthen uh, Ubuntu's position as a leader in uh, secure robotics. And so, yeah, if you are, if you're working on ROS or you want to work on ROS and you've got an interest in security or you've got an interest in security and you want to work on robotics, uh, please apply for that role. And finally, we're looking for a security automation engineer. So someone that can help uh, come in and basically 
help us improve our processes, help us um, streamline a lot of what we do, and basically uh, make us more efficient, make us uh, better at what we do. So yeah, if any of those sound like they appeal to you, and as I say, as I think I've said this before, when I talk about open positions, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already uh, a reasonable candidate for uh, these types of roles, please, I urge you, check out the links in the show notes and apply. Okay, uh, that takes us to the end of the usual parts of the episode. Now, I kind of want to put out a specific call. Feel free to get in contact with us and send us questions because uh, I would love to answer some of your questions in future episodes. So if there's anything that uh, you kind of wonder about, you know, how does that work or how does the team deal with these sorts of things or what is our opinion on various security topics, please feel free to send in your questions and yeah, I can answer them in a future episode. So how do you do that? Uh, as usual, you can get in contact with us uh, via email at security at ubuntu.com. Or you can find the team hanging out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on the Freenode IRC network, where, as I say, you can come along to chat about Ubuntu security, or maybe just security or other topics in general. And finally, you can find us on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec. Okay, so thanks for listening. Again, sorry that uh, we didn't get the episode done last week during the sprint. But yeah, I hope uh, this sort of longer episode this week has made up for that. Uh, Yeah, as I say, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back again next week. But until then, remember, keep calm, enable automated upgrades, and I will speak to you soon. Bye.